you are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. All right, so I've sort of kind of planned this episode. And by sort of kind of, I mean I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 words that I have typed out for this one. And that means it's going to be awesome. And (laughs) I have been thinking a lot about this topic. And if you were listening to my dailies back in December at the end of 2023, and I say the year because I realize that there are going to be people who are going to listen to this well off into the future. And so uh, I did an episode every single day in the month of December to finish up 2023. And part of that was uh, me, I think maybe even around Thanksgiving, actually launching this idea of called the Sober Shorties, where I was just going to do quick little 15, 20 minute long episodes. And get to the point uh, without necessarily bringing in all of these different examples like I normally do and, you know, using a ton of metaphors and going off in Jesse land where I tell a bunch of stories that all somehow whimsically connect back to the topic sometimes and finish up with a very powerful way of ending the show. And I really enjoy Sober Shorties and I am figuring out a way to create a story arc with those. And a meeting again with a member of the tribe. I've talked about him a couple times. Uh, lives in Salem right now, heading his way back to St. Augustine soon. I will actually have two people in the tribe who are live in St. Augustine now, so they'll actually get to see one another. I'm looking forward to hearing how that connection goes. If you hear me talking about the tribe, I set up this entire online academy for sobriety and recovery that's all to give you really an in-depth look at a lot of the content that I cover in here. And there's two different courses. One teaches you how you You have created your reality of your life in your mind and how that comes to be. So you really can dissect the way that you think and figure out where you would like to start to heal yourself. And the other one is about what drives us at an unconscious level to do the things that we do. And both of those things, I asked nobody if they wanted to know. I just made them and put them up. So if you're interested in learning about how your mind has created your reality through your five senses and through your personality and the way your mind deletes and distorts and generalizes and all that fancy, awesome stuff, there is an online academy. And when you join the online academy, you get an opportunity to join the tribe, which is a group I put together over on an app called Voxer. And Voxer is very similar to WhatsApp, except it's not owned by Meta. And it's also, uh, Voxer is orange and white. And I like that color a lot better than green and black. So, And you can post emojis and memes in Voxer, and it's harder to do in WhatsApp. So anyways, if you hear me talking about the tribe, and it's something that you're interested in, jessemogul.com slash ask me, fill out the, the form that talks about life coaching, and let me know, and I will get on the phone with you, and we'll discuss your membership into the tribe, because I would love to have you there. And when this member of the tribe and I were talking the other day, um, I was asking him about the goodbyes that he was saying to everybody that in Salem, as he was preparing to move back down to Augustine and his response back was, um, goodbye is the price we pay for saying hello. And, I feel like I may have even gotten that a little bit different. So if you're listening, I know you are, and apologies that I messed up your quote, but I have already changed it. And so now it's called the, um, the price is goodbye. And that's what we're going to 
call this episode. Now, whether I turn this into a series or not, I am not sure. But I think there is a lot of different threads that could go along the lines of the price is goodbye. And when Salem slash Augustine had said that, you know, it was like, you know, what are the goodbyes like? He's like, you know, goodbye is the price for saying hello. There's so many different ways. And I even told him then, I was like, that is one of the most profound sentences that I've ever heard in such few words. Because we say hello to a lot of things in our life. A lot. We introduce a lot of people, a lot of places, a lot of things, a lot of behaviors and habits and mindsets and beliefs and opinions and strategies and personality profiles and memories and, I mean, everything. We, we introduce so much to our life, and not all of it is meant to be here forever. And when I first got into sobriety and recovery, one of my NLP teachers had this saying that went like, um, why is something in your life? Is it for a reason, a season, or a lifetime? I expanded upon that by really diving into it and asking myself, well, do you ever really get to know? I mean, if something's in there for a, a season, then perhaps it's only there for a year or two, or literally the time that it takes for a season on this planet to pass, three, four months. But how do you really know if in that moment you say goodbye to somebody that it was only a season? They could come back five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later. So now they could have been in your life for a lifetime, but you may not know until much more of your life passes. Was something in your life for a reason? That's going to be subjective to your perspective. I could look at 22 years of hardcore alcoholism and drug addiction as the bane of my existence, the ruination of all my dreams, or I could see it as the reason for why I do what I do and why I have become the human I've become. And, you know, what is it? The saying goes that, uh, you know, uh, God laughs at you while you're making plans or, you know, go ahead and make all your plans. God laughs or, you know, uh, plans are what you're making while God is laughing, something to that extent. I'm just having a good old time butchering quotes tonight. Thank you very much. Um, but it's interesting, right? I had a plan for being a sports broadcaster, being a stand-up comedian, being a morning talk show host. I had all these, and I worked in all of that stuff for a period of time, whether it was before Los Angeles or while I was in Los Angeles. And I willfully gave those careers away to addiction. I'm not going to say addiction took them from me. I willingly said, here, here you go, addiction. I mean, even my DJ career, which I was enjoying very much. And I remember taking some pretty amazing classes to get better at DJing. And I would leave the classes like 30, 45 minutes early and say I had to go home and get ready for work. When in reality, I just wanted to go back into my car and get drunk. And it's just what I did. And I made choices that I'm not thrilled about. Now, I could choose to see those as negatives, and certainly many people have, and I have gone through stages where I do. And then I could also say, well, you know, what was the reason? And humans are always seeking reason. We always want to understand the meaning. Well, there's got to be a reason that this happened. We're looking for reason. We're wanting to attach meaning to negative associations, things that we feel were unjust or things that happened bad in our lives. And... Whatever reason we create is the reason we create, but it doesn't necessarily make it reality in as much as like the infinite reach of the universe, right? If there really is a God who's looking down upon us, you know, controlling the whimsical nature of our lives, then we don't really get to know the reason. We can make up a reason that we think is there, but 
you know, until we get get them on the horn and be like, uh, could you let me know why I had to be an alcoholic and a drug addict for 22 years? Um, I also have some pretty awesome beliefs about reincarnation and how, you know, my soul got to choose this destination and got to choose all of this to see if it could withstand the test or grow or develop or whatever the hell my soul was thinking whenever it chose all this. Um, is that the reason? Maybe there is no reason. Maybe we, maybe it goes beyond the infinite and the, uh, you know, the spiritual realm. And it just is what it is. We're all just a bunch of ants going marching. But when we listen to that whole quote, you know, is somebody in your life, is something happening in your life, is it a reason, is it a season, or is it a lifetime, all of it's subjective. And when we really begin to scope out and see the enormity of our life and how the smallest thing that we do can have a butterfly effect into so many decisions, so many avenues, so many forks in the road, the infinite nature of our lives really just seems to want to make my mind crumble backward on itself. Like how on earth am I supposed to ever trace back the origin of when my addiction started? Was it when uh, we were four years old and we left Oklahoma and I felt isolated and alone and we started moving around a lot and I didn't know how to make friends. So uh, I just made friends really fast knowing they would be short. So I didn't have to really hold on to any relationships for a long period of time because I knew we'd be gone in a year. And is that what caused me to feel isolated whenever I was eight years old and mom got Crohn's and I became very obsessive compulsive and was constantly trying to keep some level of order amongst all the chaos with her in the colostomy bag? Was it all the moving and, you know, feeling like now I 12, 14, 16, 18, I don't really have any great friends. So when I went to college, I left all my old high school friends behind, didn't even try to keep in touch with them and immediately just wanted to be popular and cool and have women find me attractive and have cool dudes want to hang out with me. And here comes cocaine and LSD and alcohol. And we'll talk about the, the easiest way into any, you know, kind of social scene is especially ones where people party is just addictive substances, reason, season, lifetime, all of it, all of it. And if you've ever sat down and tried to trace back your origin story to try to figure it all out, um, again, at some point, your brain will just start to fold in on itself. Like it, there's so many avenues, so many forks in the road that you won't be able to adequately, even if there was a horrendously traumatic moment of your childhood, say that was definitively when I opened up my brain and my mind to be susceptible to addictive substances. Is it hereditary? Is it in the genes? Is it a God force? Is it not a God force? Is it the soul telling me what to do? All of it and none of it. And everything can exist and nothing can exist. Where the hell did all that philosophical mumbo-jumbo come from? So let's bring it back to the idea of the price is goodbye. There is going to be a lot of things that you have to say goodbye to whenever you decide to actually get into sobriety and recovery. And if you've ever found yourself sliding back into your old destructive habits, the alcohol, the drugs, the sex, the porn, the gambling, shopping, overeating, whatever, all of it is addictive. Uh, we are literally addiction machines. We are just prone to finding something and then just 
going into the point of absurdity. And the interesting thing about this is it's not like this is some new phenomenon that just happened in the 21st century. That, oh, because we have smartphones and we have telecommunications, that all of a sudden we are super addictive. Science, you know, food science, tech science, all of this that has begun to figure out ways to make their product more addictive to our brains isn't opening up a brand new avenue that never existed. It's just manipulating and taking advantage of an avenue within our brains that always existed. Heavy drinking, hardcore drug use, this is stuff that's been going on since any of it was discovered in the woods, generated somehow, or fermented you know, by the Egyptians. It's We are addictive machines, and we are prone to finding things and then abusing them, especially if they make us feel really, really good. And even when they start to make us feel bad, we'll keep going. So when you get sober and you step into your sobriety and recovery journey, there are things that you're going to need to say goodbye to. There are things that, at the very minimum, you're going to want to say goodbye to. And as I stated just two minutes ago, if you find yourself going back, doing the lapsing, you know, being sober for a month, going back, there's a very good chance that some of these things I'm going to talk about in this series, you have not said goodbye to. Now, this is not going to be a comprehensive list. It's going to be in and out here. But these are the four that I was thinking about tonight as I was watching Mayor of Kingstown which is a show on an app called Paramount. And it's about this whole community that literally just seems to exist to take care of all these prisons. And there's a lot of chaos in this show. And, um, you know, there's got the characters that are addicted to drugs and the alcohol, and there's lots of violence and all that. And I was just like, you know, talk about a whole community that's suffering from traumatic memories, generational trauma, and just how easy it is for everybody in this town seemingly to find some level of addiction towards something. So the price is goodbye. Um, It's just profound to me that what he said, you know, the the price of hello is goodbye. So the price is goodbye. So by saying hello to alcohol and drugs into your life and then abusing them for so many years, the price of saying goodbye to your addiction is going to be saying goodbye to these four things I'm going to highlight today. And again, this is by no stretch of the imagination, the comprehensive list, but this is definitely the four that I wanted to touch upon now, because I know that a lot of y'all are going through the dry January, maybe you're moving it into the dry February. So let's discuss. Uh, The first thing I put on the list is blaming, complaining, and making excuses. Now, I have talked about this topic many, many, many times. It's called personal responsibility. And when you take personal responsibility, you don't blame others for your lot in life. You don't complain about how somebody else's actions caused you to take on another action. And you don't make excuses that you accept responsibility. Let's Let's talk about these in reverse order, making excuses. My saying about excuses are that excuses are reasons that could have been avoided. If you have a meeting in three hours and you leave your house for that meeting and it is 30 minutes away and you show up late, you did your due diligence. You left your house three hours early. The meeting was 30 minutes away. You showed up late because, you know, a wild pack of hyenas decided to to take over the road and you got stopped in the chaos. Excuses are reasons that could have been avoided. If you are making an excuse, I want you to step back and ask yourself, it could have this have been avoided. And I really stress you being honest with yourself. 
Because if you're going to sit here and say, oh, well, this and that and the other, perhaps there's some blaming, perhaps there's some complaining going on in here. Ultimately, you need to really take an objective look at this and say, was there a different way this could have gone? Could I have shown up on time? Could I have remembered the anniversary? Could I have followed through on the promises that I made? We, as people who choose sobriety and recovery, are taking on an amazing, monumental, glorious, long-term journey for ourselves, where we're not just going to go through life tranced out, numbed out. We are going to step into our lives fully, completely, and we're going to take responsibility for who we are, what we do, and what we've become. You are not who you were yesterday. You're who you choose to be today. And who you are today creates that future you're longing for. And making excuses isn't going to get you there. You can either have, what is it? You can either have accomplishments and success or you can have excuses, but you do not get to have both. So making excuses is putting it on somebody else. Oh, well, I would have done that had that not happened. Well, if there hadn't been wild hyenas and, you know, Godzilla hadn't have torn my house up, then I would have gotten a good night's sleep. And that's why I'm doing a crappy job today at work. We made excuses for our behavior for years because we secretly were harboring this addiction and we didn't want people to know. As somebody in sobriety and recovery, we are not falling back on excuses anymore. Complaining. You can complain about people all you want. You're not going to be able to magically change them. I know it would be great. You've probably read some self-help books and you're like, wow, if everybody would just follow this, life would be perfect. I firmly believe that if everybody learned neuro-linguistic programming, we probably wouldn't have war anymore. And people would actually get along and learn how to communicate and listen and ask really amazing questions and release the blaming, complaining, and making excuses. But I can't go out there and force feed an LP. You have willingly hit play on this episode, so you're going to hear it and you're going to hear other psych ecology modalities. But again, I can't make you follow the things that I talk about. I can merely introduce them to you and repeat them as many times as necessary until it gets through and it clicks. When you complain, you're probably gossiping about somebody behind their back. You're probably talking some shit when you don't know the entire story. You're just making up a reality where some may not even exist. Complaining is just wasting a whole lot of time, wasting a whole lot of breath. Are you going to do something about it? Because if you can't direct it, then you have to accept it. I've said this before. If I cannot affect it or direct it, I accept it. Complaining about something, can I affect it or direct it? No. Then I'm just going to accept that that's what it is. If I'm pissed off about a politician, yeah, I could complain about any one of the politicians in office right now. I think they're all bending in the sober, but it doesn't mean it's going to fix anything. So am I going to spend the next four hours bitching and moaning about what Washington, D.C. is going to do? Or am I going to go out there and seize life by the horns? Am I going to do my damnedest, my best to get myself on my feet and move my life forward? I can complain all day long, but it's not going to necessarily make anything better. And blaming. Oh, if they hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. Well, if they hadn't yelled at me, I wouldn't have yelled back. Well, if they hadn't made me feel so isolated, I would have stopped drinking sooner. Well, if they hadn't gotten divorced, then my whole life would have been better and everything would have been hunky-dory. I lived in that world for years, blaming my parents for getting divorced whenever I was 17. And you know what? Didn't make them get back together. Didn't magically go back to that 
one evening in May when my stepdad pulled me aside and told me he was going to divorce my mom. And then the, the vitriol that came out between the two of them during the divorce isn't going to magically make her not take my sister and run down to Florida to escape away from him on my 18th birthday. It isn't going to magically make the cocaine not go up my nose during a Nine Inch Nails show or the LSD touch my tongue during a Grateful Dead show or the marijuana hit my lungs during a Pink Floyd show. Like, it's not going to magically make any of that shit go better. I can sit here and blame, blame, blame all I want, or I can choose to just accept where I'm at right now and then come up with a plan and some solutions that I can start to push myself toward. It's like screaming at the flat tire on the side of the road, or you can call AAA, or you can get your spare out, or you can start walking, but sitting there and screaming and crying at the tire isn't going to magically make it fix itself. The second thing I want to talk about with the prices goodbye is not trying, being lazy, giving up, procrastination. No, that shit's not sailing no more. Not trying, that's what we were doing during our addiction, right? There was different ways that we could have sought to cope with our emotions, to heal our traumas, to heal our suffering. That's, that's not personal responsibility to just sit there on your hands and not try. I've got one of the tribal members, the one who lives in um, Virginia, Richmond. Dude drives a truck thousands of miles. I think he got a new truck at like the beginning of the year. And it had like a quarter of a million miles on it by the next time he gave us an update. It was insane Dude's like, <laughs> he's a freaking, if he got a dollar for every single mile he drove, he'd be a millionaire. A homeboy has stopped at 15 different Planet Fitnesses to get his workout on. Because he wants his body to be in better shape. He wants to keep alcohol out of his life. He wants to work on his mental health. And he's using physical fitness as one of his main anchors, one of his main components. Dude's driving a truck all day. When he finally gets his load where it's supposed to go, he's finding the nearest Planet Fitness and taking a picture of himself out in front of it before he goes in there and works himself out. And he's posting that up into the Voxer so that we all can see it in the tribe and celebrate his efforts. That's freaking badass. I know people who go and do a job for six hours and are like, I'm too tired to go to the gym. You may not think driving a humongous semi-truck is all that exhausting, and I've never driven one myself, but I have driven a moving truck for 16 straight hours from one state to the next, and that was exhausting. I can only imagine what it would be like to literally do this as a job and be on the road 10, 14 days straight, and yet finding the energy to go inside of a gym. That's trying. That's busting some ass. That's saying, you know what, complacency? No, that's for old addicted version of me. Richmond version of me is ready to rock and roll. So I just want you to think, again, I'm not trying to rub this in anybody's nose. You're all going to do what you do. But sitting here making an excuse for why you can't go to the gym or why you can't try harder in some area of your life, there are ways you can. You just need to figure those out. We're not here to shame people and make you feel less than. But at some point, you want to look at yourself in the mirror and say, no, enough is a freaking enough. Are you really trying that hard, Jesse? Are you actually trying that hard? Because if there's a doubt in my mind, if I'm trying hard enough, then that means that there's another percentage of me that's ready to give to this. Not trying is what addicted versions of ourselves did. Push through. Figure it out. Find a way. Diane Nyad swam from the Keys to Cuba um, straight. Now, I think that she may have figured out a way. No, I don't think she slept. 
but I think she was allowed to hold onto the side of a boat whenever she needed medical assistance. And she was getting stung by jellyfish a lot. So there was some medical assistance and she just swam the whole thing. And they had to put a cage around her at one point because there was freaking sharks in the water trying to get to her. (laughs) She swam from the Keys to Cuba in a metal cage to keep sharks off of her. Find a way. David Goggins duct taped his legs together so he could make it through uh, Navy Navy SEAL school. Now, if you've ever listened to that dude's book, and you may have read it, but I highly recommend you get the audio book because he actually gets interviewed by somebody in between some of the chapters. Dude's hilarious. You watch him on social media, and I know he comes off super hardcore, but I found him to be, I mean, yes, hardcore, but also super hilarious. Talk about somebody who figured out that trying is the only way to succeed. The third thing on this list is spiraling. Your mind is going to play mental gymnastics on you, especially in the early stages. Oh, hey, you haven't drank in a little while. You probably could have one. Oh, my goodness, that person flipped you off. Well, you should chase their car down, and we should try to get out and start a fight with them. Spiraling your mind down into the abyss of your despair is going to destroy you. When your mind starts wanting to take you down a path that you know is going to lead to anger or resentment or fear or just a triggering, activating moment that says, hey, alcohol or drugs would really help this moment right now, you are going to want to pattern interrupt yourself out of that. Pattern interrupt is something you're probably very familiar with. I was taught it whenever I learned neurolinguistic programming that you snap your mind out of its way of thinking by literally doing something that allows the brain to just get off track. It's like when you're having a really cool conversation then all of a sudden like a car accident or a gunshot or a fireworks or a, an airplane takes off. Sorry about the gunshot reference there. You know, that just came to mind. But a loud noise. You're in the restaurant. There we go. Let's reel it in here. You're in a restaurant. You're having an amazing conversation. Then all of a sudden, a humongous tray of glasses gets dropped and everyone stops and turns. That's a pattern interrupt. Your mind has been taken off the conversation. It moves to pay attention to the glasses. And when you go back to everybody, the conversation may be completely done. You may not, where were we at? Frick, I don't know. It's because you lost your concentration on what you were talking about because you got pattern interrupted by the broken glasses. You can do this with your own mind. Yeah, it can be a loud noise. It can be jumping jacks. It can be push-ups. It can be dropping down and doing two minutes of abs. It can be sprinting. Generally, I say a physical activity is a great way of doing it. Um, You could put on music that is happy and delightful and start dancing around and being goofy. You could have mantras or affirmations, right? Something to snap your, your spiraling mind out of the abyss it's taking you into. And then number four on this list is negative emotions. Anger is going to be very near the surface when you first get sober. There's going to be a lot of anger towards yourself, a lot of resentments that you're holding on to from how you might believe other people wronged you. Go back up to the first thing I talked about, personal responsibility, blaming, complaining, and making excuses. If you're blaming, if you're complaining, and you're making excuses, those are going to very easily be paired with negative emotions by your mind. Our emotional center, I like to call it the emotional ghetto in the middle of our brain. That's that whole uh, limbic system and the amygdala, the whole area where all these emotions are living. That is just primed and ready to go. You will get stuck and you will spiral and you will get frustrated with yourself and then the emotions take over. 
And the Salem to Augustine tribal member that I was talking about earlier who gave me the idea for this show, The Price is Goodbye, is he was talking today and we were discussing that, you know, he's got this emotional version of himself. And when he gets emotional and he starts to spiral down into his the thinking of his drug of choice, that the best way he has learned to communicate with this version of him inside of his emotional mind is to relate with pictures. And we will get ourselves into negative emotional spirals. We'll have negative associated pictures pop into our mind that will further exacerbate, make worse the negative emotions that we're feeling. When you want to start to shift those, then you will want to slowly start to integrate happier pictures, happier ideas. Uh, one of the ways we discussed it today was playing it through to the into the credits, which I talk about a lot, where the first five minutes of using our alcohol or drug seems super awesome, right? That first sip, that first inhale, that first shot, whatever it might be. Um, but what happens three, five, seven hours later? What's the next morning look like? Well, playing it through to the credits doesn't always need to be negative associations. It could also be extremely powerful associations that are positive. So instead of seeing yourself partying all night and waking up the next morning hungover, you could see, picture yourself saying no, leaving the bar, going somewhere where there's not going to be alcohol or drugs presented to you. And then picture yourself waking up the next morning so happy that you woke up sober. Like there's a positive way to visualize the playing it through to the end of the credits as well. And we'll discuss that in February. But these negative emotions are going to have negative pictures attached to them. If you allow yourself to be overrun and overcome by anger and jealousy and shame and guilt and sadness and all of those that you can possibly think of, you're going to run yourself ragged. And those negative emotions are going to cause you to spiral. They're going to cause you to not want to try. They're going to cause you to start blaming, complaining, and making excuses. Instead of saying goodbye to your addiction, you're going to welcome it back into your life. Negative emotions are part of the human experience. If you allow anger to cause you to respond, react in a way that is not benefiting your sobriety and recovery, then you're going to yell and you're going to scream, and that's going to start a whole thing. Now you've got to apologize for that. Whereas if you could just increase the space between the stimulus and your response, you would find that there's a whole lot less apologizing to be done. The price of saying hello to alcohol and drugs a long, long, long time ago is goodbye today. That's the price. The price of saying hello then is goodbye today. And it's not going to necessarily be easy. It's not necessarily going to be hard either, but it is absolutely positively going to be the best journey of your life. And the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows and, and the bitter bads and all of that jazz, that stuff's going to come whether you are sober or not. I mean, you're going to be amazed at how many things will seem to go sideways in life and when alcohol and drugs aren't there. Because that's just life. There's infinite variables that you're going to be experiencing. In the past, you would be able to say, oh, well, that was probably because I was drunk. Now you won't have that. Now you'll just have to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, could I have done something different to keep that kind of experience from happening? And if so, how will I learn from this experience so that next time I do something different and perhaps I will actually get a different outcome that benefits me? Blaming, complaining, and making excuses, not trying, spiraling, negative emotions, the price 
of your sobriety and recovery is saying goodbye to those things. It's going to be a journey. It's going to be a whole ton of effort. But I can assure you, the more you put into it, the more your brain will even out, the more your emotions will even out, the more your body will start to get back into some level of better shape. Certainly, it's going to be in a hell of a lot better shape than if you just keep throwing substances into it. And just know this, that no matter what ebb and flow happens in your life, the beautiful thing is to know that you are 100% sound of mind and body and heart. It's like that uh, coach in Friday Night Lights, you know, clear eyes, clear mind, clear hearts, something like that. It's like we want to create that triumvirate where our head and our heart and our gut communicate and they make decisions for us based on what it thinks will best benefit us long term. We already know that it's time to say goodbye to the alcohol and the drugs. Now, it's just a matter of you taking action on it. Knowing each and every day is going to bring a whirlwind of variables. And regardless if somebody's up there pulling strings or we're all just left to our own chaos, I would at least like to know that I'm the best version of myself each and every day when it's time to face the chaotic world that is my life. All right, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on. See you next time. Bye-bye.